don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today. There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your left. As Damon takes it to the right. So, Gerald, we're recording this the morning after the first of two games between the Blazers and the Suns in this preseason. What were your kind of first, you know, what was it kind of like for you to watch, I guess, DeAndre Ayton play against the Suns for the first time since the trade? It was it was interesting. It was a weird sensation. And it was kind of um, familiar in terms of some of the things that he did well and some of the things that he did not do well, um, which kind of was reassuring in a way, but also I hope that he's able to expand what we've seen from him in Phoenix over there. Um, Cause last night looked like a lot of the same things we've been saying about him for years. So, so, so like, what, like, what is that? Like what, like go in, yeah. cause I'm, I'm still getting, obviously like I've watched him, you know, over the years in Phoenix, but not every single day. Like you have, I'm just now starting to be like really, obviously since now he's on the team that I cover, get, you know, getting into kind of, you know, familiarizing myself with his game in that way. So when you say it was like the good and the bad of, you know, what the eight and experience was, I'm really curious kind of what you mean by that. Yeah. So here in Phoenix, like you see the signs of potential and the areas where if he can put those things together, like he'll be in business, like the, the sequence he had where he had to block on one end um, and then, you know, running the floor, being able to catch the ball in the short roll and actually put it on the ground close the distance, attack the rim. He had that one dunk uh, where the Suns coverage pretty much broke down and he took advantage of it. Like that's what the Suns have been wanting him to do for years. Um, and you could see kind of the contrast in Aiton in that respect and Nurkic last night in terms mm-hmm. of his passing in those situations. It's one of the big reasons the Suns love Nurk's fit here. Um, but then you also see with Aiton, like, the hesitance to attack sometimes settling for that mid-range, you know, top of the paint floater or hook shot or mid-range shot. Like that's kind of what he does a lot of the time. Um, and it's not bad because he is a good mid-range shooter, but some of those times you're like, just take one power dribble and attack the rim, get to the free throw line, something like that. Um, you know, his, his offensive repertoire is a little, uh limited in terms of he wants to do things on offense that maybe he doesn't have the skill set for yet and i hope that in portland he's able to get more of those chances but like you saw that one dribble spin move that he had jordan goodwin they it's been scouted everyone in the league knows he's going to spin towards the middle goodwin dug it and got the steal it's one of the more predictable moves in his arsenal so it's one of those things where he needs to continue adding to his his tool bag and you know, I, I, I want to say that he will get more opportunities to do that in Portland, but at the same time, like you guys got Scoot, you've got uh, Simons, you've got Shade and Sharp. These guys are all going to need touches and their opportunities to get up shots. So it's one of those things where at some point he's going to either have to add these things to his arsenal or just accept that he's not that type of player. That's actually something that Chauncey Billups said last night is that, you know, he when when Aiton was in Phoenix – they're obviously their goal you know they have him they have Durant they have Booker like their their goal is to compete for a championship 
So he has a certain, like, I mean, you have guys, you know, we have that many great shooters and, you know, now Bradley Beal as well. And before that, Chris Paul, and you have that many other great offensive players, like, he's going to have to play a role and he's maybe not going to be the focal point. My understanding is that at least at first, as of right now, the two guys that they're planning on getting most of the shots for, because, I mean, you watched Scoot the first, I mean, you saw him last night, and maybe we'll, I will get your thoughts on him as someone who just watched him kind of from the outside. But the first two nights, I mean, Scoot can get to the basket, but the thing that has been impressing people about Scoot so far is his playmaking for others mm-hmm. and his unselfishness. And so I don't think they're really going to be trying to get Scoot 30 shots a night. I don't think that's really what they're trying to do with him. The two guys that I think they're really going to try to create most of the offense for are going to be Anthony Simons because that is kind of what he does he's a scorer and DeAndre Ayton and Chauncey said last night after the game that there's stuff that Ayton maybe feels like he could do that he didn't get to do in Phoenix because they have so many other guys that the whole thing is built around and they're going to kind of spend this year he didn't say this part but you know you and I both know the Blazers are not really focused on trying to make the playoffs this year like that's just not a realistic thing for them and so because they don't have the we have to win a title with this expensive veteran roster kind of expectations that the team like phoenix does they're gonna maybe have a little bit more room for Aiton to maybe try stuff out and then over the course of the season they'll figure out some of the stuff you're talking about that like maybe he feels like he can do or that he wants to add to his game which of that stuff is going to work and which of that stuff isn't. And then they, they hope that by the end of the year, they'll be able to kind of refine, okay, maybe he can do a little bit more Phoenix, but like maybe this is also some stuff he should stay away from. Yeah, no, and that's exciting because like there are a lot of people out here in Phoenix that were very low on Aiton by the time he left. Um, and I think his limitations, especially on a team like the Suns, were very clear. Like his first rookie year, they were terrible. His second year, he gets suspended for those 25 games right at the start of the season. Um, and then it's the short. Yeah. Right. And then he comes back for the bubble run. Um, and then the third year, they have Chris Paul and expectations are drastically different. And from then on, they've been competing for championships. So his ability to kind of take his time and, and actually grow some of these skills might have gotten lost in the shuffle, um, maybe not lost in the shuffle, but there were certain things they wanted him to do in terms of his big man duties that he told us straight up, you know, after that finals run when he didn't get paid, he was telling us like, I don't like my big man duties. He said that pretty much straight up um, and said he wanted to do more. He wanted to take threes. He wanted to be more of a focal point on offense because in his mind, he did all the little things, all the big man duties that should have got him paid because the team went to the finals and whatnot, didn't get paid. So in his mind, he's saying, okay, I guess I got to do more. Um, and since then they, they kind of had to walk a line between, okay, how do we get Aiton opportunities to expand his game, do things that he wants to do and do the things that we know he needs to do because we have Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and he's just not going to be, you know, the second option on offense. Even Mikhail Bridges was probably ahead of him right. in that pecking order. So I, I think it's exciting for Portland fans and, and for people who have been watching DA to see what he might be able to do. Um, but in my mind, I'm, I'm kind of in a, you're going to have to prove to me that you actually have these skill sets and that you're aware of the things that you need to work on. Cause we've been saying it for years. Like the guy just, he doesn't have a handle. He doesn't really have moves in the post aside from a hook shot, which is a very efficient hook shot um, settles for mid range quite a bit. He's really efficient finishing around the basket, but he's a guy that kind of needs to be set up in that way. So really effective screen and roll guy. 
outside of that, I'm not too sure, you know, what he's able to do that he wants to do offensively. Was it really just as far as like why things broke down the way that they did in Phoenix? And I'm sure you saw that clip the other day where he was asked about it and he just had absolutely no interest in Mm -hmm. elaborating on anything or talking about it. And I also just, I noticed like before the game last night when they, I don't know if you caught this on TV, but I was in the building last night, but they were getting going out on the court for the opening tip and him and KD just like walked past each other and like didn't even look at each other. I don't know if it's like yeah. a body language doctor thing. I kind of try not to read too much into that stuff, but just, you know, you combine that with some of the other stuff you've heard over the years about, you know, the way things went with him and Monty or with him and Chris Paul, and, you know, all of that. But uh, was it re- like, was it really just that like he quote unquote sacrificed to, to help get help get to the finals and then he didn't get the money that he thought he was going to get was that really what it all it was that kind of led to it or was it also just like some personality stuff with him and monty or him and chris like what like it to, as somebody who is around the team every day and is you know knows people in that organization certainly a lot better than i do like what actually was it that led to kind of the way that it ended up going at the end yeah i think on a foundational level it was the fact that you know, until the Suns' hands were forced to pay to match the Pacers' offer for him, mm-hmm. he didn't get his money. Um, I think there was just some general tension between him and everybody else on the Suns in terms of what his role should look like. Um, you know, like I was talking about wanting to do more, not getting paid, thinking that means he needs to do more. Um, and and I also think like the personality thing became a factor because I know for most of the tenure, like. Monty and DA got along great. Like when he got suspended, DA talked about how Monty was instrumental in kind of getting his head right after he felt like he let the team down. Um, And he viewed Monty as a father figure. So when DA finally did get paid and he didn't hear from Monty all summer, that was a big storyline coming into that season. uh, I think he felt hurt by that. I think he felt betrayed. Um, And this was coming off that game seven, very public you know, yeah. shouting match between the two of them when they're getting wrecked by Dallas in game seven. Um, and, and I didn't know for certain whether that was something that really happened until the quote came out that Monty allegedly said, you freaking quit on us, which is a very Monty thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> like not cursing the freaking yeah, no, sealed the deal for me. <laughs> like, I've known Monty for a long time. That sounds a lot like Monty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, that probably did happen. But um, and just the fact that, you know, Monty didn't address it the very next day for exit interviews. Um, it, it felt like there was some tension there. And the fact that it lingered over the entire summer, that contract extension was maybe an opportunity to extend an olive branch, patch things up before the season. It didn't happen. Um, and I, like, I, like I've said, I, I think there are faults on both sides in this. I think DA, a lot of the times, if he just played better, like, a lot of this stuff would have been nipped in the bud. But when you are playing with Devin Booker, with Chris Paul, with Monty Williams, these are guys that are, you know, cutthroat competitors. And when you are not of that same kind of mindset, it it stands out. And I love DA. He's one of the best human beings that I've been able to cover, covering the Suns. Um, but there is that factor to him where sometimes he's not as locked in mentally. Like he, he's just basketball is not what he lives and breathes like some of these guys are. And I think that was a personality clash with guys like book with guys like KD. 
Um, and at a certain point, you know, there was the thing he said at media day where he mentioned, you know, accommodating his wishes or whatever, mm -hmm. which made it sound like he re had requested a trade. I still don't, I've heard from some people that's true. I've heard from some it's not, so I'm not hundred percent clear on that. Um, but it did feel like everybody involved needed a fresh start at that point. I don't know if he requested a trade, but I think it's been pretty well known for like a year and a half that he had wanted to get out like i like i think it's I, like it's pretty clear that like when the suns a didn't offer them the, ex the extension before his fourth season and then when they just waited for indy to give him the offer sheet mm -hmm. the next summer and by the way i know that portland kicked the tires on trying to get him at that point when it seemed after that game seven against dallas when it seemed like you know things were really going to go <laughs> south and everybody was just done with him they kicked mm -hmm. the tires on it then it just was hard to make the money work so it was something that had been on their radar for a while so tell me about him as a person because i'm still kind of trying mm -hmm. to you know in the process of trying to get to know him a little bit and i've got i've gotten the sense that i think he'll be more open to talking to us and actually you know having real conversations with us mm -hmm. once the season starts because that that he was so he was we, we only because we didn't have like an introductory press conference with him like you normally do after a trade because the dame trade happened like less than a week before camp so they just did everything at media day and right. he was great on media day and he was great the time we talked to him down in santa barbara during training camp but then you know that that clip that kind of went viral the other day of him uh shutting down the talk about phoenix that was kind of a weird availability in general because it wasn't just the phoenix stuff the phoenix stuff is the part that got clicked clipped and was like being shared everywhere but really what like the way it went was they brought we we, we hadn't gotten to talk to him after the uh first preseason game because we were all like sitting around sitting around the locker room waiting for scoot and he kind of left but mm -hmm. uh Aiden, you know he, they bring him over to practice i start out because we hadn't talked to him after the game i start out by just asking him like how do you think your first preseason game went? How do you think you played? And he was really good in that game, by the way. He only played in the first half, but he looked really good in that game. So I just kind of asked a pretty basic, like, how do you think you played in your first preseason game with your new team? And he just kind of looks at it, looks at us and goes, I barely played. It's still training camp. Like, and he like, didn't even want to talk about that. And then guys, other guys started asking him about the Phoenix stuff, which I don't think is particularly unfair to ask him about because, you no. know, he's playing against his former team for the first time. So, you know, you, that's going to be so, and especially when, you know, you're the former number one overall pick and things publicly went the way they did, you're going to get asked about it. And so he completely shut that down. And then he was like, I don't want to talk about Phoenix. I thought we were going to be talking about uh, the game last night. And it's like, well, I just asked you about the game last night and you shut that down too but i like like a couple of us have you know talked to him i, I got this i got the sense that he's gonna be a lot more willing like, i think i think right now since it's training camp he's like still feeling some stuff out uh but i'm still in the process of kind of trying to get to get a feel for him personally so i mean you you you've been covering the suns for a long time you've been around for his entire career so i'm just curious kind of your you know your read on like him as a dude, you said he's like one of the best people you've ever covered. So like, like, what is that? What does that entail? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's just, he's one of those people that just wakes up happy in the morning. Like he's, um, you know, obviously becoming a father in the last season or two, like that um, kind of brought on a new sense of responsibility and maturity for him. Um, it, it doesn't always show though, because he is such a jovial, like energetic personality. Most of the time there are those bouts where like, like you were mentioning, 
um, where there are certain things that he won't want to talk about and it'll kind of kill the vibe for the whole like media mm -hmm. scrum. Um, and you know, it is what it is in that regard. I, I, I've said this, I feel like it was a totally fair question and a fair follow-up in terms of asking about his former team. Yeah. Um, cause there are emotions there. It's very clear. Yeah. It's fine. It's if he not doesn't just want to talk like, about it. And it's not just like, I mean, cause guys change teams all the time in the NBA now, nowadays, it's not like, mm -hmm. oh, just some guy who played on the team for a couple of seasons, like asking him about his former team. This is a, the former number one overall pick, the guy that for the rep as long. And I think I said, cause I went on your show back, like right after the trade happened and I mm -hmm. kind of said something from the outside and I'm actually curious kind of your thoughts on this too, but as long as he was in Phoenix, he was always going to be the guy that they drafted instead of Luca, and that was always going to be part of the yeah. thing. And I don't know how much that was like a day-to-day -day thing that people talked about in Phoenix, like after all the issues, especially after they lost to Phoenix in that uh, <laughs> playoff series a couple of years ago. But like, there is so much baggage, and and the fact that there was such a high-profile public, you know, in that Game Seven against Dallas, like breakdown between him and Monty, and then last season also went the way that it went and like mm -hmm. there is going to be stuff like i don't think anybody in the in the in that media availability the other day asked anything that was unfair or that wasn't like no. you know fair game to ask but i also understand why he didn't want to talk about it and i mean the right. fact that he didn't want to talk about it like he he could have just like taken the high road and said like you know i love my time in phoenix but i'm focused on right now like he could have like he could have just done that but he it was pretty clear like there was a reason he did not want to talk about it yeah and and he'll he'll get like that from time to time especially when there are the less pleasant things to talk about and it feels like over the last year or two there's been a lot more of those things so he's been that way more often but for the most part like he was always good to me Dwayne Rankin and Kellen Olson who are kind of like the three guys that are always around because mm -hmm. um, he knows we're just trying to do our job and he was always pretty willing to talk to us even if it was about things that he didn't want to answer questions for um he's because he's such a like happy dude in general it can sometimes come off as um like immaturity um but he's not like dumb by any means he he's if you get into the weeds with like basketball stuff about him he's actually pretty good about you know describing different coverages and relaying almost word for word what we would hear from Monty in terms of asking those same questions so he, he, he's very retentive in that regard. Um, but it's just because, you know, when he starts referring to himself as dominating or in the third <laughs> person, it kind of, it comes off. You're just like, you're way. just like, okay, dude. You're yeah. Like, <laughs> no, and like, and like, it's one thing. And like, I, I can already see a, a scenario this year where like he goes like two for 10 from the field with four rebounds and people and like and like the pa like a call for when he scores says dominate and then people are just like okay really like <laughs> yeah. i always i always feel like i'm I'm generally against self-given nicknames but it's also like if you're gonna call yourself dominate and you better be you know playing like nikola yeah. Jokic every night right that's basically. the that was one of the big hang-ups here and like, i'm really i'm excited for this fresh slate for him in that regard too because by the end of it kind of the fan relationship with Aiden had gotten toxic you know making fun of that nickname and um you know the, the viral clip of him kind of standing under the basket while Nikola Jokic was getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound like because uh, he had he had said something about you know someone had asked about his motor and he had mentioned I run on Tesla battery and you know that <laughs> it, it, it's just things like that that are like unprompted where he's like he 
he sets himself up for failure because he's such a um, honest and happy guy. He'll just say the first thing that's on his mind, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you wish he would give what he was saying a little like bit more. Like a Carl Anthony thought. Towns thing, where some of the stuff he he means well, but some of the stuff he right. says, you're just like, you really you made this harder for yourself. Right, it's exactly that. <laughs> 